Good morning. Good morning, Crosswalk. It is a true joy to be here with you um, once again. And your welcome has been amazing. So good. Had a little panic earlier with some of my notes in the first service. And your team, you guys, they just like, they were on, on top of everything. Within seconds, I found my notes and we were ready to go. So thank you. I've got to say a huge thank you for my boy, Isai, for hosting me while I'm here. Hazel, I don't know if you're here, but thank you for sharing your house uh, with, a, you know, with a friend. Um, but I'm, I don't take that lightly. Um, you guys are amazing, so thank you for having me here. If you have your Bible, old school preacher, if you got your Bible... Uh, I'm speaking from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 to 4. But if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. Andy taught me a new word. It's called a sky Bible. And it's there, and you'll find the text there. But we're reading from the Bible. And we're reading from Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 4. And it reads this. Behold is my servant, whom I, God, uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit in him, and he will bring justice to all the nations. And he will bring justice to all the nations. He will not shout or cry or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring justice. He will not falter. He will not be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. And in his teachings, the islands will put his hope. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. Pray with me, crosswalk. God, speak to us one more time. Open our minds and open our hearts and open our ears. And may we one more time hear the softness of your voice. And may we one more time be put together again. In your name, we ask this. Amen. So a while back, I bought a tweed jacket on the internet. Or so I thought. I was leaving California to move to colder weathers in Portland, Oregon, and my jacket said, you know, I put on a little weight around the chest area so my jacket weren't fitting as well as it should. And so you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to buy myself a tweed jacket. And I remember this little spot in London that had great jackets, great stuff. I'm like, I'm going to look them up. And I looked them up, and I was so excited to hear that they could ship it to me in the United States. I was like, yes, I'm going to get it. And then, and then I saw a very similar jacket on a different website on the Internet. They had the same style, but it was half the price. And I was like, ooh, oh, God is looking out for you, my friend. Hey, maybe get two. No, no, I only got one. But I was like, hey, this is it. Forget this thing that I know I'm going to go with this internet website that I never heard of. And I'm going to get the jacket half price. I got it. I was excited because I desired something. I knew where to get it. It was coming to me. And it was going to be amazing. And he said, three to four weeks. I'm like, it's a little long, but hey, I can wait. Coming all the way from China, maybe I don't know. Three months later, I forgot about a jacket, almost died of cold in Portland. But I get a package, I open it, oh, it's my tweed jacket. 
I open it and I pull it out and to my horror, they did send me a jacket, I'll give them that, but it was some random fabric with a tweed print on it. It was horrific. Dude, I wanted wool. I wanted tweed. I got like, I don't know, polyester? With like some ink on it? Bro, he was so disappointing. But it happens. It happens, right? You desire something, you're told you're gonna get it, and when it comes, you're like, no, that it, no. Hey, no. Dude, it was horrible. Somewhere in my garage right now, collecting dust and moist, keeping Portland dry. But it happens to us, right? Things happened, we desire something, we want something. How many places do we go to with high expectations, high hopes? You get baptized, you join a church, you feel like you found a community there, you feel you found meaning, you found purpose, you found something that you could stand on strong. And six months later, I don't know, man. Maybe I should look up another church in the area. It happens. It happens. Or maybe you, you fall in love. You get married. You have a child. You have another one. And 10 years later, you wake up and you're like, hey, I don't know. That's not what it said on the brochure. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Just recently, a friend of ours got what we all believe to be the perfect job for her. You know, the dream job? Not a lot of people find also, we, we were like, yes, yes, you need to apply for this job, apply now, apply now. She applied, she got through to the first interview, the second interview, the third interview, the fourth interview, and she got the job, and we were ecstatic. We got a community together and we celebrated because you have to celebrate those things. And we celebrated and it was amazing. And then two months later, ring, ring, I picked up a phone, hey bro, I, I just resigned. It wasn't what I was told it was gonna be. It isn't what I thought it was gonna be. It happens to us. We desire something. We are told we're gonna get it. And when it comes to us, it leaves us in a weird place. In many ways, the text that comes to us today comes from such a moment. This is the story of a people who wanted something a people who desired something, they were told they were going to get it, and when it came, it was a disappointment. The nation of Israel wants the great kingdom of Israel, boasting the things that all great kingdoms boast. Wealth, history, tradition, faith. Once they were up here, now they are down here on their knees. The cities, the treasure had been ransacked and plundered. The people beaten, broken, imprisoned, murdered, separated, and spread around the land. Indeed, this was more than a defeat. It was humiliation. What they had held as most sacred, what made them feel special, what made them feel above the other nations, better than the other nations, had been stripped away from them, taken by the enemy. And now, 
in their brokenness, but in hope. Israel was looking for a way forward. They had this desire to rebuild the kingdom. And so they looked up to God and said, hey, send us help. And somebody better say amen because as God always does, God sent help. He sent the servant except from, hey, that's not what they expected. They were looking for tweed. They got rags. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you who God sends. You see, the, the thing about the children of Israel is as they were waiting for the help, they remembered the heroes of the past. They remembered Moses. Do you remember Moses? The guy that stood up to Pharaoh. The guy that brought the great Egyptian dynasty to its knees. They remembered him, and so they hoped he would come. They remembered Gideon, who fought one of the biggest battles of their nation with only a handful of soldiers. Do you remember that? They remembered the Davidic era where Israel was feared by everyone, respected by everyone. They remembered the time when just the sheer hearing of the name of their God, Yahweh, commanded respect. They, they, it was a time where everyone knew that the God of Israel could not be trifled with. They remembered that. And so as they were waiting, they are, are expecting someone with the authority of Moses, someone with the strength of Gideon. They're expecting maybe someone from the legion of David that kind of has the same command of authority that David had. And instead, and instead, they get this guy, the king of soft touch. This is the one God sends. This guy... <laughs> I love this. He will not shout or cry or raise his voice in the street. He will not make a racket about who he is or how much power he has. He won't even announce to the world that he is king. He will be gentle. Victim or oppressor, friend or enemy, he will make sure that no one is lost. A bruised reed destined for the fireplace, he won't break. A smoking wick, useless, all smoke but not giving any light, he will not snuff out. He will not exercise power. He will not seek revenge. He will be patient and he will be helpful. He will be merciful and compassionate. The king of soft touch, this is what they get. And the truth is, they are a little skeptical. Because here's the question, how do you build a kingdom on words like mercy and compassion and gentleness and softness and forgiveness and leniency? How do you do that? They're looking around at the other nations, the other kingdoms, and they have armies and they have all sort of stuff, and you're telling me the person that you send us is this guy. What can you build? with mercy and compassion? It's a good question. It's a question for us today, right? We don't have kingdoms and big kingdoms and nations, but we have jobs. We have families. We have businesses. We participate in this country. Those are our little kingdoms. 
What can you build in this world? How far can you get in this world with words like compassion and mercy and forgiveness and gentleness? What can you build with the softest of touches in this world? It is a good, good question. Or perhaps if I flip it, it's equally a good question. What can we build on the sheer exercise of power in this world? Could you build a business? I'm reminded of this uh, video that I watched this week. I'm sure you guys, saw, saw, some of you saw it as well. It's a video of a CEO who fires over 900 people in a space of four minutes. You get a call, hey, the CEO wants to do a Zoom meeting with everyone. You get on there and within four minutes, few days before Christmas, you are fired. What can you build with the sheer exercise of power? Could you build a family? Could you build a relationship with force, with harsh words, with a heavy hand? It's a good question. I'm not going to answer the question for you. This is something for you to figure out for yourself. But whatever answers we come up with, one of the clear things of this text is that the kingdom that this helper has come to build can only be built on values such as mercy and compassion, softness, empathy, and so on and so on and so on. Fill in the blanks. For Isaiah, the kingdom that God is trying to build through his helper can only be built by acts of mercy and compassion, not by the exercise of power, not by the use of force. Because here's the thing, you guys, if it's truly going to be God's kingdom, then it has to be built based on the character of God. All right? Otherwise, it is not God's kingdom. If it's going to be God's kingdom, it has to be Defined by what God is defined. And though we know, we know this for sure that God is power. God's power is always defined by enactments of mercy and compassion. And so if this helper is coming from God, this helper has to be defined by the same characteristics as God. Do you remember the story in Luke? Luke chapter 4, I think. As Jesus sending his disciples to the village to prepare a place for him to make, you know, his way through this village to go to Jerusalem. And the villagers are like, no, 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 we do not want Jesus here. We do not want Jesus here. And they do not want Jesus there so much that they kicked out the disciples out of the village. The village, the, the village kicked them out. The disciples ran to Jesus, huffing and puffing and angry, and say to him, hey, hey, just give us the word. We'll burn this whole village down. How dare they? How dare they reject the presence of the one that God sent? They were fuming. They were ready to just light it up. Remember what Jesus said? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. The kingdom that we are building here is not a kingdom that will be built on fire. No, it's a kingdom built on forgiveness, of leniency, of mercy. It's going to be built on stepping back and moving on, even when there's some reason to light the whole place up. That is the kingdom that is trying to create. Do you remember the time when the, 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 the soldiers came to arrest him in the garden of prayer? Who does that? They came to arrest him, and Peter was like, yo, grab the gap. And they were, got into a scuffle, and someone's ears fell off. 
Do you remember that? Someone's ears got chopped off. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Put that shank away. This is not the way of the kingdom. In this kingdom, it is better to suffer at the end of your enemy than to cause suffering upon your enemy. This is the kingdom that we came to build. A kingdom based on mercy, compassion, gentleness, softness. Amen. The king of soft touch. And so they arrested him. They grabbed him, pulled him, and hung him on a cross. He who had looked at the poor, looked at the sick, looked at the widows, looked at the orphans, those whose society had pushed away and said, hey, I'm building the kingdom for you. Come, come, come in and live accordingly. They wanted to hang him. He who had called on his disciple and said, hey, I'm building this thing. Join me. This is something that's going to be for you and for your children. Join me and act accordingly. He who looked at his opponents and said to them, hey, I'm building this kingdom and I really, really want you to be part of it. Come in. It's your kingdom and live accordingly. Him. They hung him on the cross and the Bible is clear. This much we know. He could have at any time just shut things down. He could have. But he didn't. He didn't. Because the one who had come to proclaim this kingdom was going to act accordingly. And he decided to embody the kingdom. He didn't fight back. He acted mercifully. He acted with compassion. And he hung him. And the kingdom of heaven was finally nailed to the earth. I... I think it was 17, 17, 18. One of our friends, a friend at the time, was involved in a DUI. And the passenger that was at the back of the car lost his life in the accident. It was a terrible, terrible time for our community. Uh, we, we had never really gone through anything like that before. We, we were angry and we were sad. You know, there was a lot of tears and there were a lot of, you know, angry fists pointing to the heavens. It was a weird time. It was a complicated time, difficult time. I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral, but my dad went and when he came home, he told us about something really unusual that happened at the funeral. When it was time for the father of the victim, the person who's lost his life, to speak, he looked at the culprit, the one responsible for his pain, the one responsible for his hurt, the one responsible for his anger, for his loss. He looked at him and said, my son was the most beautiful thing in my life. He's no longer here. He was innocent, perhaps too innocent for this world. And I don't know how I'm going to live the rest of my lives without him. But I want you to know something. You are now my son. He says, so much has been lost. We will not lose more. He said that. 
to the very person responsible for his pain, for perhaps the most painful thing he could ever go through in his life. He said that to him. The kingdom of heaven might actually be real. He said that. Years later, I'm in London, and I see him. And I'm like, I want to talk to him, but I hesitated. But eventually I said, I'll go talk to him. And I ended up going there, and I will not lie to you today. I was expecting an awkward conversation. I was expecting to have a conversation with someone marked and troubled by the trauma of the past. I was expecting to speak to someone who could not quite put the pieces of his life together. A broken person. But I can tell you this, the 20 minutes that we talked, nothing about that conversation made me feel like I was speaking to a broken man. Nothing. And I know, I know 20 minutes is never enough time to know someone's history. I know that all of us can put up really good faces for as long as we need to and then go home to our houses and and we're crying and we can't sleep at night and we, we carry the shadow around us. I know that. I know. But I am hoping, you guys, I know that things that are broken can never be put together and all the horse, the king's horses and all the king's men could not put this thing together. I know that. It was a 20-minute conversation. I know that. But I, I am also hopeful. It is a hope. I am hoping that because of the decision of the parent to approach this young man in the manner that they did, to approach him with compassion and mercy, when revenge and force would have been justified by choosing the difficult thing of loving this young man, he has now been made whole in spite of everything that happened to this guy. It is a hope. It's my hope. It is my hope because if there is one thing that we know for sure that the kingdom of heaven is, it is a hope out of everything. And there are many things that the kingdom of God is. Hope is one of them. It is the hope that there will always be some people in all the communities on earth, there will always be some people that will choose mercy and compassion, that will choose leniency and clemency, that would choose gentleness and softness even when they would be justified to do exactly the opposite. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is defined by its enactment of mercy and compassion. And Christ is here. And it is my hope. And I hope it is your hope too. That is kingdom might actually one day become a real thing. I want to pray with you. I guess I want to pray for you, for myself. My prayer is that may you, the servant in whom God delights, you have to know that, May you, the servant in whom God has entrusted his spirit to, may you bring justice to the nations. May you not shout or cry out or raise your voice in the street. May you preserve 
even the bruised reed, even the smoldering wick. May you not falter, may you never be discouraged until justice is established on earth. And may you be known as one whose touch is as soft as Jesus is.